for the benefit of those with flash photography. What a rush, what a rush, what a time to be alive, y'all. Welcome to episode 50 of DreamWork. We made it to 50. I, as always, am Colin Delaney. In a moment, you will hear the voice of my tag team partner. His name is Cheech, and this is DreamWork. It's a podcast where we talk about the greatest tag teams of all time. And this week, a very special episode for episode 50. We saved, uh, you know, not the best for last, but we saved, we've been saving this team for a special occasion. And episode 50 seems uh, special to me. So we busted out the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, Hawk an animal with Paul Ellering, and wow, yeah, uh, I mean, you'll hear us talk about it, but their accolades are crazy. They're like, uh, like Jerry Rice in football. Their, their records are going to be tough to catch. They'll, they'll probably live on as number one for a very, very long time. Um, but yes, episode 50, here we are, we've made it. Uh, as discussed last week, me and Cheech are getting a bit busier, so uh, getting the pod out is becoming a little tougher, but we've got some cool things planned. Um, this week, uh, next week, we are going to do a special pod. Tonight, we are headed to AIW. So on our drive home, we are going to record a special uh, recap pod of our trip to AIW and our match at AIW. So hopefully it goes good. If it goes bad, this podcast is going to be weird. But uh, anyways, I think everyone will enjoy that. And then some other fun stuff in the upcoming weeks until our schedules free up a bit better. Because honestly, doing this podcast every week does take a lot of time and effort. Like each week we're watching 10 to 12 matches, taking notes on them, doing the study, doing all that stuff. And it, it does take some time. And we want to be able to do it properly. So uh, until then, we've got some, some fun things, some fun tag team things we can do. Uh, to keep the pod rolling. Hopefully we get another 50 episodes. But we are at episode 50. We are talking about Well Hawk and Well Animal and Paul Ellering. They are the Road Warriors. They are the Legion of Doom. It's episode 50, y'all. Let's party. Yes. Yeah, buddy. We have done it, my friend. I believe this is where I would say, uh, what a rush. <laughs> yeah, what a rush. What a ride. I feel like we should go to Spencer's and get those like novelty t-shirts that say, this is what 50 looks like. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a, what a long, strange trip it's been. 50 never looked so good. One of those, you know? Yeah, and it did look good. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm, let's not waste too much time blathering on in the beginning because we have we have a lot to get to and a lot to cover. Um, and and yeah, uh, fifty episodes. Yeah, and we came out hard hitting with. Probably the most prolific tag team there is. The Road Warriors slash the Legion of Doom. Slash yeah. Legion of Doom 2000, I guess. You want to throw that one in there? Yeah, we started this thing because uh, the first team was the Dudleys. And the reason was I kind of started doing this on my own, just researching the Dudleys because they're thought of as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So I was like, and watch and see what makes them so great you know and that's kind of how it all happened and now at 50 episodes we are at the team that i mean probably general consensus of the wrestling world would be uh, greatest tag team of all time yeah yeah definitely uh I, we'll get there to their accomplishments but i'm sure they they rank high on lots of lists everybody <laughs> yeah yeah, so let's uh, let's 
let's let's start with our preliminary thoughts. What were your preliminary thoughts? I don't know. Like I didn't really have any just because it was just it was such a gimme that we were eventually going to do this team. If anything, it was maybe just a little bit worried to try and encompass their their careers basically. Yeah, uh so I had kind of similar thoughts. I mean, I, I various matches I've watched Legion of Dune matches my entire life. <clears throat> but I, I can honestly say that I've never really sat down and studied. I've never really that great of attention to them. So part of me was nervous that I was going to not like it. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Because once again, like we said, they are ranked so high. And you know what I mean? Like when you hear about how like, oh, no, it's the best movie of all time. And then you watch it. It's like, okay, expectations are kind of hard to live up to when, when you're going that high but yeah i could see that yeah that was that was my my big preliminary thought was like oh i mean i wonder if i'm not gonna like this as much as <laughs> i i maybe should yeah and 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 when i was watching it we'll get into it like i had there's very much like two trains of thought so it just depends which one you want to go with you know what i mean okay okay i can say that i, I don't i don't think i was disappointed i think i was i was honestly pleasantly surprised a lot more than disappointed yeah no i definitely was as well i mean come on it's the road warriors like like okay you can maybe have some weirdness towards them being number one but there's no reason like there's no way you are number one or so many people's number one without at least being enjoyable you know what i mean i wouldn't have been worried like okay is it gonna stink it might just be like all right maybe they're not five stars but yeah they're definitely a great team (laughs) So, like they're they're high on those lists for a reason. You'll come to find out. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump right into it. Uh, let's go into their championships and accomplishments. Bring them on. Whew. All right. Let me take a deep breath first. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they are three-time NWA National Tag Team Champions. That would be in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Okay. They are one-time NWA World Tag Team Champions. That would be Mid Atlantic. Uh, they are one-time AWA Tag Team Champions. They are one-time NWA International Tag Team Champions, which it was the tag titles in all Japan. Uh, they are two-time WWF Tag Team Champions. They won the 1984 NWA National Tag Team Tournament, as well as the 1986 Crockett Cup. They won the Tokyo Sports Best Foreigner Award in 1985. They won the Observer Rookie of the Year 1983, Observer Tag Team of the Year 1984. They won the PWI Tag Team of the Year 1983, 1984, 1985, and 1988. <laughs> they are number one on the PWI 100 Tag Teams of all time. They are number one on the Sports Illustrated Top 50 of all time. Randomly, WWE has placed them at number eight which we can have a whole discussion about. And they are 2011 WWE Hall of Famers. Yeah, people, we weren't kidding. Like, (laughs) they're a lot of people's number ones. Uh, PWI and Sports Illustrated. WWE, that's probably their own uh, weird bias, but whatever. Um, uh, And their PWI Tag Team of the Year, four years, three years in a row, and then a separate year, three years later. It's funny because, like, you hear that and you think that's almost preposterous. But, like, if you watch them, it's not preposterous. Like, it's so weird to be like, oh, they were the best tag team for four years running. And you're like, there's no way. Like, and especially when you're talking about in the 80s, too. And you're like, and then you watch and you're like, nah, I get it. (laughs) It makes sense. You could make a case for 86 and 87 and probably even 89 if you're really hard pressed. Yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised. Like, like, I mean, obviously, yes, it could have kept going, but, I mean, it would just be – it's just ridiculous at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, Observer gave them team of the year in 84, uh, the year after their rookie year. Man, uh, I'm pretty sure – let me look at my notes real quick. Uh, is that the year they were doing fabulous ones? Oh, yeah, that's the year they feuded with the fabulous ones. That makes sense. That seems like an Observer type of uh, match to enjoy. I was going to say, you just also just have to think, like, 
Uh, I think, okay, I'm going to put this out there early. I think a big reason for this is very much time and place. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look at them and look at the time. Look at the era. Look at what else is going on. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, but right off the rip i mean they're they're undeniably different and fucking gigantic also yeah that's the thing and like okay another big thing uh let me see if i can get my movie trivia uh i believe mad max or whatever was huge and i think that was 82 or 83 so it leads right into these ginormous mother effers coming out in spikes and stuff but it's just it's just a time and place thing. Like they were the right guys, the right place, the right time with the right look. Plus like, okay, they already had the look physically. And then you put, you know, the times Mad Max gear on them. It's, it looked amazing. It was amazing. And then they just killed everyone for four years straight. Like, I, like when you said those four years in a row, I was like, I wonder if they had any losses in those four years. Yeah, probably very, very few. Definitely not clean losses. I, I'm not sure. I'm still not sure the Road Warriors ever took a clean loss to, to this day. I Here's the thing. I don't know. Like, as a, as a matter of trivia, I can't say yes. Like, I'd assume so. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, how much do you want to wager on this guess? I'd be like, not much. But I'd assume, yeah, they definitely had to take a couple. But I, I couldn't name them. Between the years of 83 and 90, I would wager less than four in those entire years. Also, when you look at their cage match, by the way, before we get into their, uh, the matches we watched, it's 17 pages long. We talked about teams that like had giant uh, matches, match listings to choose from. Theirs might be the biggest, and there's like a three-year gap where they didn't team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. As far as like teams go, like and with longevity and like sheer amount of matches, you know what I mean? Like they were working frequently, too. That's the thing. You know what I mean? They didn't have a ton of days off. Let's put it that way. Holy smokes. Yeah. Digging through those, digging through that cage match was giving me anxiety. I didn't check it because I just knew. Okay. Honestly, like. Uh, here we we are in the post we are in net we are in the network era 2.0 i didn't even go to peacock that's the thing these guys breadth of content on like youtube and other other things like daily motion and whatnot or physical media like i, I busted out my uh my SummerSlam collections if i needed it i had physical media if need be but they just had so many matches that it was able to find a ton of stuff just easily without even having to dig into the network per se yeah, no, 100%. All right. All right. Let's get into the matches that we watched. Okay, do you want to go first? Uh I I can I can go first. Did you uh, do you have a lot? I don't know. I mean, probably. So I went on YouTube and just would search Road Warriors and a year. Oh. So I kind of just tried to hit every year all the way through. <laughs> See, I tried to hit a little bit of everything, which is weird when you look in the grand scheme of things. Because even when I had said, like, you know, now we're in network era 2.0, like WWE wasn't a huge part of their run. Like the network would have provided stuff the old network would have in like old school NWA, WCW. So I tried to get a little bit of everything. I tried to get some Japan stuff some um early territories things like that all right all right i'll i'll give a i'll give a i'll give a, a start okay so i start in 1983 with with what was listed as their tv debut against two jobbers one's name is joe young the other is something barber that's all i got <laughs> uh followed enough by another job match in later 83 against keith larson and george legon uh then 84 against the Fabulous Ones, 85 against Hanson, uh, Stan Hanson and Harley Race, 86 against Terry and Dory Funk from All Japan, uh, 87 against the Midnight Express, 89 against the Varsity Club, 90 against the New Skyscrapers, 91 against the Natural Disasters, again 91 against the Nasty Boys, uh, Sting and Luger from 96, DX from 97, and then LOD 2000 against the New Midnights from 98. 
<laughs> uh, it's funny because uh, we, we did have, well, obviously we both predominantly use YouTube. So yeah, there was definitely some crossover. Uh, let me go with my list. I start off hot with the natural disasters from the Tokyo Dome, um, which was that WWF uh, SWS combo show they did was strong. Yep. Um, then a uh, Freebirds one from AWA, which was Hayes and Gordy. Then uh, Southern Posse from WCW Pro in '96. A Faces of Fear from a WCW Saturday Night in '96. <laughs> a minute work, which wasn't a match. Uh, the Steiners just ran in and they brawled. Um, and Arn and Barry from a Saturday night in 1990. Uh, Jumbo Saruta and a skinny John Tenta, which is funny that I say skinny, which is, oh, this is when he just came out of sumo. But compared to what he would become as Earthquake, he's skinny from an All Japan in 87. Uh, Varsity Club from Clash uh, number six. Uh, a Lawler and Idol match from Memphis. I don't know what year it was, but I was just pumped to see that. Uh, a Sting and Lex from an, uh, a main event in 88. A Midnight Express from Crockett Cup 87. A Nasty Boys from a Nitro in 96. A Bundy and, and Blackwell from AWA 84. Uh, same uh, Harley Race from Stan Hansen. Uh, a Steiners match from Nitro. I don't remember which one, but it was the one where the Steiners came out on the bikes. Um, a match versus Doom from a Power Hour in 90, Skyscrapers from Clash number 10, The Funks from 86 All Japan. And then I ended it with, and I knew it wasn't good, but I remember it was hot on my list back in the day, was the Road Warriors at Battle Arts versus Mohamed Yone and Alexander Atsuka. Ooh, so yeah, from 98. Way, from 98. <laughs> so I didn't list it, but I also tried to watch the Men at Work match. Because I was excited to see the Road Warriors against Canyon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm watching. I was like, "Well, it's a short match. Okay, I wonder if they get anything." And I was like, "Oh no, there's just a run in and a brawl." Like, "Oh, okay." So mad, so mad. But yeah, we there's some there's some some definite crossover here. Um, the Natural Disasters match I watched from '91 is also the one from the Tokyo Dome, which actually rules. Right. Okay. First thing I wanted to point out was like, okay, there's there. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Okay. There's timetable different warriors, but then there's also like different location road warriors. Cause there's definitely a difference, especially in 1991, the road warriors slash Legion of Doom, you're going to get on a, like a prime time in Springfield, Massachusetts versus the natural disasters versus in the Tokyo dome in Japan. Very different. Like, I, like during the heat, they slammed them through a table at ringside. I go, when in WWF has there ever been like, oh yeah, during the heat, we just slam them through a table. Yeah. And they like the commentary. We, we jumped straight into this natural disasters match, which I'm fine with because yeah, yeah. once again, it actually rules. Like I'm, I'm not just saying this to be like facetious or whatever. It's, it's actually a ton of fun. Um, uh, the Japanese commentary refuses to call Earthquake Earthquake. You can repeatedly hear them just call him Tenta. Yes, indeed. Uh, they had a, like a really fun tag shine uh, that Legion of Doom did with uh, Typhoon. Uh, super fun finish with a, a, a press of Jimmy Hart over the top rope. Yeah, yeah. They get rid of Earthquake and to keep him down, they they press slam Jimmy onto him. Um, it was... Something else I also wanted to point out when you were talking about uh, they also come out, they call him Tenta. Here's the other thing. They come out to Iron Man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I was like, whoa, when the heck in WWF did they ever get to come out to Iron Man? <laughs> in the, For this match in Japan. And yeah, you're not wrong. Even though this is a wwf match for the wwf tag titles at the time they come out to iron man and they wrestle in a very japanese style and it rules yeah that's what i'm saying like as i was watching these i was like okay there are quite a diff few different road wars like there's the 80s road wars there's the 90s road wars there's american road wars there's world wars in japan like they're all a little different which i dug Man, did, so the very first match I watched with them against Jobbers, which doesn't even really have a name, it, it was listed as their TV debut from June 83, which would be their rookie year. Yeah, I think I had seen it previously. Like, in my lifetime, I had seen that match because I was like, oh, their first match, I remember being like, 83, whoa. And yeah, it's just a short squash match. 
They have no paint. They are in just leather pants. They're both gigantic, and they just control these dudes around the ring. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> I feel it's funny. You watch them all the way back then, or right, from my limited memory of when I had seen it forever ago, or or whenever. Like they're not terribly like like there wasn't a ton of growth. Like they just maul people, and they continue to maul people for another decade or two. So then, so uh, the best part is it's that's so it is their rookie year. They won rookie of the year for eighty three. It's their this match claims to be their TV debut. They don't have paint yet, but they are already the NWA national champions. Makes sense because here's the thing: um, they had definitely been like that was probably their yeah that was their TV debut. I'm sure they'd already probably run roughshod in, in at least one territory somewhere. Right, but it's so it's so interesting, you know. Like that's th- their rookie year was '83. This is June of '83. They are not even close to their eventual. Uh, what they would be or whatever, and they're already national champs. Yeah, I mean, but like you said, they're ginormous. And here's the thing. I know technically, I'm sure in the pantheon of tag team wrestling, like, yes, there were probably other jacked up dudes like that, but I don't know. It was just... Obviously, there's a level of charisma that comes into it as well, but I don't know. I just feel like they were like the first, like, super two guys were both ginormous. You know what I mean? Like normally we've seen it where it's a little guy and a big guy. This was like, Oh no, these are straight two big guys who are both big and both jacked and both can move. Yeah. The next job match I watched, the next job match I caught from 83, uh, they still were in the leather pants, but they had a little bit of paint now. And they literally just press slam these dudes all around the ring. It's like they, between June and December of that year, somebody uh, showed them a press slam, and they <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's four or five in that match. Do I want to talk about my talk about press slams? Yeah, let's get to my talk about press slams. Okay, A, they do them frequently. B, I've taken a press slam. You ever taken a, have you taken a press slam? Of course. They suck. No, they're not fun. It's not a. It's because like okay, if we can pull the 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 curtain back a little bit, most times dudes are grabbing your dick or real close to your dick, and it's like the hands right there. It's not a. It's not a uh, a fun place to be grabbed. Even if they're like on the inside of your thigh, it's still real uncomfortable. That's not my concern. My concern is like no matter what, there's no other fall or bump in wrestling you take from that high technically but also uh not for nothing that's the taking aspect giving a press slam is quite difficult well okay i uh i find the press part is difficult the slamming part's not as difficult well sure but they were picking people up over their heads like they were nothing Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. They did it, like, with ridiculous ease. You know what I mean? It was just easy for them. Like, they were definitely military pressing hundreds of pounds, like, in the gym. So, like, lifting jabrones who are only, like, 200 pounds and the weight spread out pretty evenly, or even some of these big mother effers, even up in the 300s, they had it with ease. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I I was – I mean, I know it was 91, and it was a little later in the the – whatever but i was half expecting to see one of them press slam earthquake or typhoon oh no 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 I, I, that's just more of a of a body composition i don't even if they pressed him they'd still have belly touching their head you know what i mean <laughs> i was I, I but i was like waiting for it oh yeah i mean i'm sure you could expect it i didn't i'm not sure if it's possible so uh, yeah, I, I kicked off with some job matches from 83 where they're still, you know, that's their rookie year, but they're still like, they're already super over. They're already like super big. And then you get to 84 when they feud with the fabulous ones. So I caught a fabulous ones match. Uh, and then like, yeah, they're looking a lot more like LOD now. They're looking a lot more like the road warriors. Uh, but so here's something that I, I gathered throughout watching them. Uh, because to a point, uh, it looks like they're not selling, right? Yes. 
but it's more that if they don't want to be, they're so strong that if they don't want to be moved or don't want to do something, you're not going to make them do it. Yes. Like they would sell when the time came for it. They would sell for who they wanted to sell for. That's true too. Uh, the the Terry Funk Dory Funk All Japan match is incredible because Terry is doing all kinds of wacky stuff and bumping all over the place, and then Dory gets in and just beats the Road Warriors up. Oh, dude, that match is great. I was I'm glad. Let's get to that one because it was one of the uh, probably the only match of all the matches I watched where they actually had to go like back and forth with another team. Well, yeah, and they, it was they beat up Terry. Dory gets in and just literally beats them up. But like, it all made sense. Like, it's just weird because, like, all right, for a while as I'm watching their matches, I was like, oh, there's no structure. It's just a bunch of start stops, and they always they're always it always they're always up, and then eventually they'll go to some sort of a schmaz and a finish or whatever. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, they. They don't necessarily have a structure, but like there's definitely a beginning, a middle, and like they just like to do a lot of beginnings. But when they're in there with the funks and you're in Japan, once again, like you can't pull that crap when they say their crowd are smarter. And plus, Dory Funk plays no games. Like he's yeah, he was beating them up, but he was also like out wrestling them to be able to beat them up. Like he didn't look weak, they didn't look weak. He just looked like he out wrestled them until he got a chance to just forearm their face off. Bro, at the, I can't remember what it was. He took like a slam and just he just sold up so quickly that he was already in better position and then just wept with like a European uppercut. And I was like, man, that's not even like it's not even like he didn't sell it. He did. He was just up quicker than Animal could react and got him for it. Yeah, no, that match was a lot of fun. And I, it was also blowing my mind because I was like, okay, this match is in 1986. I go, this match is so old that Dory only looks kind of old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and Terry looks young, young. Terry's got some weird curly mullet, a little stash going. He's all skinny. Like, yeah, this match is a hoot to watch. But, yeah, one of my notes was I was like, oh, snap, like in the middle, they're just going back and forth. And I was like, oh, crap, look, they're not just getting – the Road Warriors aren't just eating these guys alive. These guys know how to wrestle. So it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you can slam me, but when you go to pick me up, I'm going to pick your leg. I'm going to go for my toehold. You'll kick out, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it was – I just thought it was great to see them actually have to, like, take moves and not immediately, like, get up and be like, oh, no, no, I got to get back over and stuff. Even though there was – oh, my God, the best spot was Hawk – and uh, we'll, 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 we'll keep it in the world of uh, reality, I guess. Because he has such large traps, pile drivers just have no effect on him. So Terry gives him one. He immediately pops up. He gives Terry one. Terry immediately pops up, but is struggling. And then, like, Dory just grabs him, pulls him to the corner, and just tags in. <laughs> and it's oh, great. It's incredible. It, it was one of my favorite spots. Terry and, like it's so perfect. They like zoom in on Terry's face and he just has the biggest look of anguish on his face as he's trying to look like it doesn't hurt him either. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. So once again, I watch job matches, then the fabulous ones, which like you said, is a 90% road warriors beat him up match. Like literally Stan lane thrust kicks Hawk in the face five times in a row and Hawk doesn't go down. Yeah. But then Right before the Terry and Dory Funk match is where I watched the 85 Stan Hansen and Harley race match, which that was the first time for me that I saw like Harley race and Stan Hansen are making the road warriors work for it. Well, oh, well, I saw that match and I go, okay, what year was that? 85. I go, oh, no one's giving like, there is no quarter given by any man in this match. Harley still got spring in his legs. Uh, Stan Hansen's, not even in his prime yet. And then he had these road wars and these jacked up guys. They're like, no, we're just going to go fight. Like it was an AWA title match on championship wrestling in Florida for some reason. And they were just like, both teams were like, no, we're not having any of it. Like we're not putting you over. You're not putting us over. Like, let's just go fight. The, the commentary is great because it's talking about the young upstart road warriors against the much more experienced Harley and Hanson and I was like man what a strange and interesting dynamic to think of the road warriors as like the 
the the rookies in this match and they're giving up size a little bit to Hanson and and Harley yeah no it's great but literally tell me if I'm wrong my notes are uh it starts with brawling around the ring then brawling into the ring then they wrestle for a little in the ring and then they go back to fighting outside the ring and it's a no contest which surprise surprise all these matches are either Road Warriors win or no contest. <laughs> oh, yeah. I re- I kept writing either fuck finish or another no finish. or So I'm surprised that your first note on this match isn't the same as mine. Oh, what was yours? Bill Alfonso was the ref. <gasps> I didn't even notice. You didn't notice? Fonzie, 85, Florida. Was he? Well, okay. He was hard to notice because all they were doing was brawling. Yeah. At, at one point... Uh, so they when they first get in the ring, I was like, is that Fonzie? And then they say something like, blah, blah, blah. And Ref Alfonso's got his hands tied or something. And I was like, oh, look at this dude. But yeah, like literally they brawl, then they brawl back into the ring. And I was like, okay, are they going to literally, are they going to now have a match? And it's like, no, uh, I think it's uh, Hanson and Hawk then just go brawl into the crowd now while uh, while Animal and race wrestle for a little bit, but then eventually they just brawl to the floor and then the ref throws it out. And I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of what I expect. I was like, ain't nobody, nobody, none of these guys putting the other guys over. They got way too many business interests on not losing because of other places they work. (laughs) Well, the ref didn't throw it out. Bill Alfonso threw it out. Of course he was, you know, (laughs) law. He knew, trust me, he knew he was like, there ain't no way I'm getting control of this one. So, so next I watched the Midnight Express Crockett Cup match, which is just like we were just talking about, a lot like the Fabulous Ones match, but kind of just rolls reverse because Fabulous Ones were babies. Now we get the heel Midnights, but it's still like all Road Warriors. I, it made me angry that when I clicked on it, because I was like, Crockett Cup 87, I go, oh, this one had all the screw jobs in it. Okay, I don't, I don't even think this is a hot take, but... Uh, the, the abundance of teams in the Crockett Cup diminished the quality of the Crockett Cup. Because I remember Crockett Cups were like, oh, 16 teams. And I was like, yeah, that means there's going to be 14 five-minute matches. Right, right. This match is fine. Uh, you know, it's it has a hell Condry. Of a great uh, chaotic ending with, uh, at one point, literally all the managers and everyone's in the ring, and then they all finally slowly find ways to get rid of everyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was... Uh... It wasn't, it was pretty much what I expected it to be. (laughs) And after that, we get to what I think was my favorite Road Warriors match. We go 89, we go Varsity Club. Was that the one? I watched the one from The Clash. Is that the one you watched? Oh, yeah, Clash 6. Oh, okay, okay. That match rules. Yeah, the whole time I'm just looking at Dr. Death being like, that is a scary man. (laughs) They press slam him. They press slam Dr. Death. I know, and he's ginormous. Like he's in a singlet, so you know it's scary. He's in like I'm still haven't found my my way yet singlet, and I'm just like that's a scary man. That's all athleticism. So Terry and Dory Funk they go back and forth with them, but this match, the Varsity Club actually get the Road Warriors in a bit of peril. Oh well, yeah, and that's once again because they're big dudes. Even Rotunda's a big dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I and I I really enjoyed it. It was one of those things where I was like. Hold on a second. We get a little. Uh, we get a little sympathy from the Road Warriors. A little, a little fighting from under. Yeah, no, it was great. I dug the. That was the first time I saw Animal do the backflip out of the double back suplex, and I was I, like, oh. I lost my mind. <laughs> like I remember watching, and I went to go write it down. And as I wrote it down, I go, No way! Did I did I read that right? And I really had to rewind and be like, No, yeah, he did do a backflip. He did it. Uh, and then he gets spine bustered on the floor by Dr. Jeff, and it was, was gross. Like, Louise. As, as we've established by doing this podcast, uh, I like uh, when a tag match is like, you know, a good, like nicely structured, well put together tag match with at least a couple car crash spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are always enjoyable. And what that's the thing, like the the possibility of getting this when you get four giant men always usually is pretty on the high end. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, uh, there's a lot of exclamation points in my review of this match. <laughs> yeah, I dug it. It was fun. And yeah, I, I just, it was one of those ones where I just watched and I was like, man, that's a lot of athlete in there. Yeah, 
And then uh, I followed it right up by going into Clash 10 against the new Skyscrapers, which, once again, a whole lot of big. And uh, following the Varsity Club one with the new Skyscrapers one, I was like, holy crap, I never realized how agile Animal was. Okay, I knew, but in seeing it so many times back to back to back, it does it does make a bigger impression. Cause I always remember it. I was like, I just like that. He always seemed like when he did the shoulder tackle, he was still going up. Oh yeah. There were times where I was like, he's literally hitting him with like his forearms and he has to put his forearms way down there to even hit the dude. Yeah. It's like forearm and thighs he's hitting him with, but yeah, he's hell of an athlete. And like, I also like when you watch it, um, back to back to back in matches like this, that they really do not only do they say because you always hear it on commentary, but they do establish that he is the stronger one. So, but he is so, and that's why it's so jarring to the senses that he's also the agile one. Yeah, yeah, because Hawk just looks freakish with those, you know, I won't even say they're baby heads; they're like full grown men heads growing out of his that are his traps growing oh. out of his neck. And so like, he just looks freakish. And especially when, Oh my God, I will always pop for his, let me make sure everything's stopped. I got to make sure this, this is high waisted trunks are at least two inches above my belly button. They're so high. And they only got higher as they got older. The highest. And here's the thing. Like he was so jacked. I was like, okay, there's no way you have abs per se, but there's no way whatever you're hiding under there is bad. Like I doubt he has like a raisin (laughs) belly, like some guys have or something. You know what I mean? I totally forgot. I meant to mention this when you were talking about the traps earlier, because you watched the Crockett cup midnight express match. Did you notice when, uh, I think it's Condry and Hawk are doing a, like a pose off and Tommy young walks over and just, touches Hawk's trap and walks away. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was wondering, what was that? I have no idea. And they even put it over on commentary. Like even Tommy Young had to go get a feel. Yeah, no, it's just weird. He just walks by and like, like as he, like he was, like if he was goosing someone's butt, he just doesn't do his trap real quick. And I'm like, <laughs> put it on. Oh, it was great. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, new, yeah. In that new skyscrapers match, Animal does uh, drop down leapfrog, drop down leapfrog back to back uh, up and over. I can't remember if it was uh, Undertaker or Spivey, but either way, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, there's someone. I'll have to find it in one of my notes. He also does the uh, leapfrog back roll and he presses the guy up and then feeds up and drop kicks someone in a match. And I was like, what is going on? He had a pretty good drop kick. So, like, he was uh, definitely the superior. Uh, hot tag member of the team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because his was more dynamic. Like, Hawk was just like, I'm super charismatic and people love me. And he would just, it was literally punch, clothesline, neckbreaker, fist drop. And I mean, Animals was similar too. It was slam, slam, elbow drop, things like that. But I don't know, his just seemed more dynamic. He had drop kicks a lot of time. Drop kicks. Yeah, it was funny. You'd see he had different ones. Sometimes he would do all close on, sometimes he would do all drop kicks, sometimes he would throw in a crossbody, sometimes it was just all slams. Oh, did you notice? And I I I I believe it to be a, a sign of the times or whatever, that early on Animal would not throw clotheslines unless it was late in the match and it was like a big uh move. He would always throw back elbows. Oh no, I did not notice that. Animal was always throwing back elbows. Uh, cause in some of those job matches, he would actually finish with the line, but it would be the only line he threw. So guys would come off and he would do back elbows. He got away from it later on. And that's once again, I just chalk it up to sign of the times, you know, eventually a clothesline was just in every move, but back in the day, yeah, he would protect it. Yeah, no, they were good about that. It's weird. Cause they did. <sighs> It's weird because you could tell, obviously, as a tag team, they were very concerned about being strong. But they would throw away so much stuff, but then they would also, like, protect the heck out of certain things, too. They were, like, for for as, as good a businessman as they're known as, I was like, sometimes I don't know if they are as good as they think, or as their reputation, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, you said you watched uh, Steiner's match and uh, another one of a team that we already covered and which I, I was like, I'm not going to watch matches of teams we already covered. Cause I'm sure in watching those teams, I put an LOD match on if I saw it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know I hadn't seen this, the, the nitro one just cause 
just because I know I didn't watch it when we did the Stannis, I don't think. Because I think I didn't go too many LOD matches or Road Wars. But this one just kept popping up everywhere. So I was like, all right, let me see it. And it's because I think it's the LOD's return to Nitro. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, yeah. Okay. It's kind of a surprise. Like, for no reason, the Stannis are coming out on motorcycles. And they're like, oh, yeah. And guess who else is here? And I was like, oh, okay. So I watched that one. That was fun. And then, okay. <laughs> Remember the other day when we were discussing, uh, this is a callback between me and you, but we'll let the people know. When we were discussing the team of Sasha and Bailey, I go, bro, I remember te- uh, texting you while I was in quite a mood, we'll say. Uh, and on, on the network, they were showing this triple threat tag match of the Steiners versus the Nasty Boys versus the Road Warriors from Nitro. And I tuned in just at the right time to see... Uh, Rick was going to try and belly to belly knobs off the top, and then a- or Hawk just knocks them over, and they go ass over tea kettle to the outside. But like Rick goes fine, but like knobs looks like he almost dies, and I laughed my ass off to the point that I texted you. I was like, "Yo, I'm all about this Sasha and Bailey, but I just watched this nasty boys match, and I'm thinking otherwise." Yeah, Cheech, yeah, Cheech did try to audible Sasha and Bailey to the nasty boys last second. <laughs> I'm just saying it was the medicine talking. Uh, things were crazy. But yeah, so after I saw that, I was like, no, no, I need to go see this match. And it's a car crash because, okay, it's it's Nitro. Let me find it here. It's Nitro, 96, January 96. And they're trying to be like, oh, we're cutting edge. This is a triangle match. So like literally at the beginning, they're doing in and outs like you would see like in a lucha match. But instead of like, arm drags and head scissors it's like clotheslines and slams and stuff but like they're super concerned about tagging and like who's legal for like the first two minutes it's a hoot you should go back (laughs) and check it because you'd get a kick out of it because i'm like as i'm watching i was like oh like they almost do like a circuit in the beginning and i'm just like but they make sure to tag and then eventually it just breaks down but you could tell they're just thrown off because like it's a triangle match so like they have to break up pins for the other team like if like, if the Steiners are pinning the Nasty Boys, the Road Warriors have to break it up because they don't want to lose type thing. And they're trying to put it over on commentary. You can just tell these old dogs are having such a hard time with these newfangled match. It's a hoot. And, yeah, uh, uh, Brian Knobs once again almost dies just falling off the top <laughs> to the outside. Well, as we discussed, and we've discussed plenty of times when uh, discussing WCW tag teams, WCW teams notoriously have a hard time understanding tag team rules oh well yes it well yeah wcw is gonna wcw when they have the chance to but yeah there's definitely it just i just left because it reminded me i watched an arn and barry match from a 1990 wcw and sid completely misses or misunderstands his cue literally gets in the ring kicks uh one of the road warriors uh the ref pushes him out and they just continue like nothing happened and then two minutes later the spot comes and then they all jump in the ring oh i think i remember that i didn't watch it this time around but i've definitely watched that before yeah i remember i was like oh look at uh, i was like okay sid's with them sid's in the suit and once again okay i'll, I'll discuss that match that's a fun match too because it's 1990 ain't nobody better than barry windham and arn's on fire too and they it's it's just fun because you're seeing pretty much the same Road Warriors match, but just done with a couple more bells and whistles, just a couple more dips and dives, and just just more, just better executed. It's really fun. So uh, I should have watched that one. I feel like I'd seen. I I try not to watch a lot of matches that I've seen before, uh, or nothing that I I can. When I when I see one and I'm like oh, I I feel like I saw that, uh, I'll usually skip over it. Um, so I don't know if you know, so animal stopped in like 92 into 93 with a bad back injury. Am I, am I right? Yes. And then isn't back at all until 96 when they pop up on WCW. Oh, okay. Is that when it was? Okay. So then, yeah, yeah. That's why that one was a big deal. That's a lengthy, uh, time off. So it makes me think the injury is pretty bad and, uh, their WCW stuff is, pretty whatever okay here's where we get into a a a favorite uh little nugget of trivia that i like about the weird corner of wrestling i believe the reason it was so long was because he was collecting on his lords of london 
uh, insurance. Uh, back in the 90s, it was weird. Wrestlers could get their own private insurance. And there was some place over in England called Lloyd's of London that was insuring wrestlers for like, I think I was hearing something about on some podcast recently, they stooged off Henning making a comeback, but he didn't want them to know. Cause I think, and this might be on the low end, he was getting like 300,000 a year in insurance or something, because you know, it's like kind of like when they insure like JLo's legs or type thing, that's like, that's kind of how they were insuring it. So these big money things like you. So yes, animal was definitely hurt. I don't think he necessarily required three years off. I think that all, I think that it was all tied up in his Lloyd's of London thing. Right. Uh, interesting. Either way. Well, so I thought, cause I read back injury and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess that kind of makes sense because they are definitely uh, not, not as spry. Definitely not as, uh, as quick to move. Definitely not as quick to quick on the, on the jump in 96 at least. Yes, but I don't think Animal, I don't know, I don't think his downfall or slowing down was as bad as Hawks, even though I don't think it was terrible on either end. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, well, I don't know, maybe it was just me. I thought the back injury for three years, I was like, there's no such thing as a three-year back injury. Like, it's just either so, you're screwed or you're not screwed. And then he came back. He seemed pretty much normal to me, but I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're saying, that like he wasn't doing as many jumping, you know, diving shoulder tackles, but... I don't know. I did. I, I feel like I didn't notice it that much. I noticed it in WCW in 96, but then in WWF in 97 and 98, I feel like animal was a little bit back to a little bit back yes. to normal. And, but Hawk had fallen off a cliff a bit. Yes, yes, yes. Nope. I would agree with that. Yeah. I true. As I'm watching it, I was like, wow, when did Hawk start going down? Cause it's like, I don't remember there being so much of like a, a, I don't want to make it sound bad, but like he looks, I was watching matches. He's super duper in shape. And then suddenly he's in WWF and he's just not as in good a shape. Yeah. No, uh, anymore. Listen, uh, that's that. I, I, I chalk up to age a bit too. Um, uh, what did you, for, for late era, what, what WWF road warriors did you watch? Um, I don't know if I got any super duper late era. Let me see. No, I got to the WCW run and the WWF stuff I had was the early LOD stuff. Okay. I, so I wish you watched them against DX. I was gone. I didn't get a chance to, it was on there. It, <laughs> I was trying to look for like deep cuts and that one always came up like first in the YouTube search. I was like, well, I'm not just going to go with the first one. So they look better than they did in WCW here. Of course, uh, Shawn Michaels and triple H, uh, in that era helped that immensely. Uh, but my favorite part about it, because I just watched it, Shawn Michaels does a spot from the Midnight Express Crockett Cup match verbatim. Which one? Uh, gets sent off the ropes, holds on, bails out, Hawks waiting for him on the floor, clotheslines him, picks him up, press slams him back in the ring, only for Animal to clothesline him back out of the ring same spot exactly the same oh come on you know sean had to love him some midnight express like yes we all know he loved rick flair but dude. obviously he was also watching midnight express matches dude at, when i watched it i popped so hard because i was like you know sean michaels was like oh can we do this spot that you did with the midnight what that you did with bobby eaton in the crockett cup you know he did that yeah that's what i'm saying you know what i mean like you know there's no difference we, we were all fans at one time it ruled, it, but like just the fact that I let me see how many matches are there one, two, three, four, five, six, six matches between them is how many matches between me watching uh, Bobby Eaton do it and me watching Shawn Michaels do it. So it was so good. Well, yeah, let's be honest. There's not a ton of difference between Bobby Eaton and Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? They're very contemporary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I'll uh, I'll give them both a nod for how great I think they are. And I did watch an LOD 2000 match against the new Midnight Express, which is, it's not as depressing as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, like, that's the thing. I don't know. I, I, like, yes, they declined, but I feel like they got to a point where it was like, okay, it's not going to get any worse than this. And it didn't, you know what I mean? Like, luckily, you know, they, Hawk went his way when he didn't, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, 
they didn't have as bad a decline as some other teams. You know what I mean? Okay, like perfect example. Part of me when I was watching some of the older stuff, I was like, oh man, it's kind of like sheep herders esque in that it goes back far and stuff that we don't quite associate with them. But you know what I mean? Like I don't feel like they necessarily slowed down, but they didn't necessarily have as long a career. But you know what I mean? I don't feel like they they declined that much. No, in the LED two thousand match, and uh, this is, but I wrote one sentence about it: playing the hits but still look good, animal still agile. That's all you need to know. And see, the problem was, like we had said earlier, they were very much a product of their time, but now that it's 96, 97, 90, you know what I mean? As we're moving later on, it's not that time anymore, and they don't have the crazy physiques anymore. Sure. But like, as far as their work rate, like their match style, they could have done that forever as long as they were able to still slam people. You know what I mean? Like That's all they really had to worry about. As long as they could slam people, they could keep on wrestling. But the problem was you start diminishing when everything was so based on their look and their look for the time they were in. They're no longer in that time. They no longer have that look. Their wrestling is still there, but, you know, their other two of their other big points that helped them are now not there. Uh, there is a match of their last, last run in Japan on Daily Motion in 2003, and I could not bring myself to watch it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I would want to watch it. <laughs> I, so, the Battle Arts one, because it was still in 98, and I was like, oh, and they were wearing their WWF gear, so I was like, okay. They're, and I remember watching, and I was like, okay, they're not in bad shape. They're just, and I don't know if we want to get into it, but like they're just selfish. They squash these guys. It's not a good match. They're in, they get paid, they get out. And I'm just like, oh, they're really good businessmen, but not necessarily for the promotions. <laughs> Yeah, that happens. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, especially in that era. I don't know if you can totally fault them. No, but I did fault sometimes. Like, I don't know. I, I just wonder after a while, I was like, what kind of ego goes into it? Like I have a couple of matches where it's like a no contest, but they're like, oh, no way. We got to go back. And they have to cut a post-match promo about how they're angry and they got screwed. I was like, oh, they're getting their heat back because – they're tough guys. They can't just not win. They they have to be really mad and they're going to get revenge and all of this stuff. And like, I don't know. Sometimes I watch the matches and I'm just like, oh, they're just about them. Yeah, I can I, I can see that. Sure. But I, I just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think, I don't know if it's that they were necessarily, I don't know if that's necessarily it. I think that maybe it was, they were they were built like that you know like they were built up like that that was ingrained into them yeah i know that's all they ever knew but i mean at some point they got smart enough to know like to know you know oh it would be business if you put this team over nope can't happen sorry we're gonna do a no we're gonna do some sort of count out you know what i mean yeah yeah no i, I listen i totally get it and a lot of times i'm i probably was giving them more benefit of the doubt than i should have but you know it's the road warriors come on no, no, I get it, and that's the thing. That that business was good for them because they were on top, like we said, forever. And was, because of how they did their business. So, you know, I can't hate on it, but I'm just watching the matches and just judging it purely. I was like, man, there's a lot of no contests. Oh, yeah, but but here's the thing. Here's what I'd like to say about that. Uh, at the time, with the Road Warriors, having a no... Like, nowadays, like, a no contest with somebody like it doesn't necessarily put anybody over a lot of times, but I feel like in a lot of these cases, it actually makes both teams look better to go. No contest. It did because once again, it was a sign of the times. And once again, people just believed so much in the road warriors. That exactly. they were like, oh, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. But I was just, you know I mean? It was just something I noticed and I was just like, man, there's just a lot of, Something, something, and then, oh, we have a schmoz. Listen, I wrote it a bunch of times. Another fuck finish, another no finish, another no finish. But in a lot of those cases, man, like, that team doesn't have to take an L to the Road Warriors. And so that team, that team, literally, they look good just not losing to the Road Warriors. That was enough because the Road Warriors were so big and so dominant. Just not losing was enough. No, I agree. And I get it from all sides and stuff. But, you know, I mean, I just eventually, I don't know, I just... It was just something I noticed. Yeah. All right. Let's let's do it, man. And I mean, this is <laughs> I don't even know how you how you put a bow on this, but what made the Road Warriors so great? 
It's something we've said about a bunch of other teams. It was the whole package, especially let's, we haven't even talked about Paul Ellering, but I mean, like he also was a giant component. I mean, yeah, it was cheesy, but we all were all on board for Rocco and the manager. And when LOD was in WWF and all that stuff, it was, they were, but back to it, what made him great was the package. They were ginormous. They were two ginormous men when there weren't two ginormous men teaming together doing stuff other ginormous men weren't doing with cool music that was new at the time. They had cool ring gear that was new at the time because everybody was all Mad Max and the Road Warrior and stuff like that. It was the whole package. They were the whole package for the the time they were in. Yes, uh, I would agree with that. I would also add that they they were, what they were doing was not being done. You know what I'm saying? They were, uh, yeah, they were they were tag team wrestling differently than everybody back then. Well, yeah, because they weren't quite tag team wrestling. But that's the thing that made it good. You, I mean, think about it. Look at the teams they're wrestling. For the most part, they weren't guys their size. You know what I mean? They were the anomaly. Right, right. But even against guys their size, they were still like <laughs> – I, I, not for nothing. I love when the wrestling guy's bigger than them, but they still make themselves look big. I kind of love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. But what made them great was that, you know, they did have, you know, the fabulous ones and the Midnight Express, but it was almost as much, just as much fun to see them versus the natural disasters. Yeah. Who else could do that in throughout history? Like, honestly, like, who? Because they, I mean, they were they were big and they were massive, but they were bigger and they were more massive. But they never looked small, even next to the natural disasters. They didn't look small than nobody. Yeah, it's true. Like we didn't quite get into it, but like there were a, okay, perfect example why they were great. They lasted for a bajillion years. Because guess what? When they came on the scene, everybody's like, "Oh, we just need to put." makeup on two jacked guys there were a million copycats that came saw and fell by the wayside yeah for sure they were like like i was saying they were like they were doing something that nobody else was doing at the time i mean at this point we've seen it a hundred different ways but uh back in the early to mid 80s when they hit the scene no one was doing it like them yeah, no, no. They said they blazed a path, and then, like we said, there were a ton of people trying to trying to do it their way, and no one could. Once again, it was the look and everything, but we also let's talk about the charisma and the promos. You know what I mean? Well, you know what I mean. All that stuff. They had the gift of gab. They had the cool look. They had the manager who could talk if they needed him to. Like, you know, they had the tell him hawk. You know what I mean? They had it all. They had it all. Yeah. Yeah. And whether it was their doing or or just the 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 company or the promotion, like they never ever in for one second looked weak at all. Like never even close. Yeah, they never they were road warriors every second you saw them. You know they what I mean? Even... Not hawk hawk an animal or as one of the matches i saw i forget they just kept calling them the hawk and the animal it was hilarious oh yeah the early times when they were the hawk and the animal yeah, all right even from then all the way the spikes you know, even the spikes evolved it would come on okay me and my best friend definitely got our faces painted like the like the legion of doom in probably 1990 bro i got my face painted like hawk at a fair like two years ago well, yeah, but I mean, okay, yeah, me and my best friend got it, and then we went to the religious kid's house, and we were not allowed there because they did not like our demonic face paint. I was like, oh, it's the <laughs> LOD. They're the coolest. How dare you? <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. Uh, so this might be the one time when I will allow a, a default on an answer, but how the fuck would we beat the Road Warriors? Okay. I, did, I, I only got one thing that could help us because I heard it. I don't know which match it was. But uh, and Jr. put it over. The Road Warriors are not good at coming from behind, so we gotta wear them out quickly, and with speed, duck, dodge, dive, and duck and dodge everything, and then just keep diving on them until they can't handle it no more. We gotta get the upper hand quick, and then try and somehow screw our way to a finish somehow. But yeah, we cannot get behind early on. It does. It never goes well after that. So yeah, the only thing I can compare to is the uh, 
the the Shawn Michaels Triple H match uh, because that was kind of what they were getting at there. Uh, if we could outlast them, like that's that's that would be my game plan. Yeah, my idea is try and 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 blow them up, aka make them super duper tired with the barrage of moves that we just keep throwing at them until they're so tired that they can't hit their own moves. And I don't want anybody listening to this to to confuse and and think that I actually believe that I could move either of them or uh, do a singular thing to either of them. Don't don't get it twisted. I don't. <laughs> I'm I'm known to attack kneecaps. I'm going after kneecaps. You are the coach of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I'll bring it on. I'm going after their kneecaps. I'm going to bite a kneecap. And then when I'm coming back up. I'm going after that. I'm going after the Achilles. I'm going after their ankles. I'm going after all of it. Anything. I'm I'm punching them in the kidney. Jim Cornette kept telling the Midnight Express that they're not very smart. So you just have to outsmart them. But then uh, it never, they never outsmarted them. If we learn how to escape a body slam, we're good. If we could just learn that, we're good. Because they had a plethora. Yeah, or press slam. Ugh, we would take a million. Oh, they hurt so much. They're so high in the air. They're such big dudes. But man, I'm sure, okay, once again, though, okay, we may not be able to beat them. We could definitely get a no contest. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, though, I mean... Uh, I don't think that anybody, as we discussed earlier, I don't think they have really a, a clean loss on the record. Uh, but we could definitely rock a solid no contest. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would think. Um, Just like I do think in mind there is a loss. They lo- one of the matches I watched. They lost to the Freebirds. It was clean? you know they were pit- no well of course not clean like the ref was looking the other way he was pinning and the other one comes off the top and hit him with something and pulled the other guy on top type gimmick well but don't worry of course they got a promo at the end and they they killed everyone and and got a promo at the end so they were happy so yeah (laughs) if if we can get the ref distracted and hit them when they're not looking they're a little more susceptible that's the only other thing i saw five stand lane super kicks and the man didn't go down i just want you to rattle that through your head He's not human. He's not human. All right. That's it. That's episode 50. That's the Road Warriors. That's the number one tag team voted by PWI, Sports Illustrated, the, the tag team of the year, uh, five, four or five years. The uh, Crazy, crazy, crazy stats on these guys. If you got a belt, they want them. Okay. So real quick before we close this up, I, I wanted to ask this. So now we've done 50 and the Legion of doom are uh, arguably number one. I think the only other teams that you can put up there with like, you know, on their level would be Dudley's or Steiner's. Am I, am I missing anybody? No. No. If you had like, if you had to choose one, as the greatest tag team of all time, where would you go? I, I think I'd have to go Road Warriors. Because here's the problem. The Steiners, I think, were better, but they just don't have the longevity. Right. Yeah. And Dudley's... So Dudley's have a crazy uh, uh, stat sheet, too. Yeah. But not. I don't think it's as crazy as the as the Road Warriors, but it's it's pretty wild in its own right. And they did have a, a pretty lengthy run, but yeah, man, it's it's tough to go against the Road Warriors. And I think those are the only two teams that you can even put on the list behind them. And those usually are the teams that are on the lists behind them. <laughs> well, right, yeah, right. But uh, I just just wanted to just wanted to bring it up real quick. Do you think in doing this and watching them and studying them? Uh, now that we've done the Road Warriors, uh, are they the one? I think so, because, like, I'm sure you could be, like, a purist and be like, well, they never had any five-star matches. But, like, that's not everything pro wrestling is. Everything, like, okay, yeah, five-star matches are great, but then we also, like, 
the promos, the packages, the looks. Like, they had everything else on lock. You know what I mean? And their matches weren't terrible. But, yeah, no. They definitely didn't have any five-star matches. But everything else involved in pro wrestling, they had five stars. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all the accolades they get are well-deserved. When you when you really watch it and you sit down and you just take it all in, like, I, I wasn't skipping entrances here, you know? It, the road warrior pop is a real thing. It's a real term for a real reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we didn't even cover that. But yeah, we'll get into it right here. There's a legitimate term for getting people to scream so loud for you. It's called a road warrior pop because the screams they got as a team were just beyond anything anybody ever seen. So even to this day, it's still known. You want to get a road warrior pop when you go out there. Yeah, man. Yep. All right, man. That's 50. 50 down. Uh, just 100 more teams, 100,000 more teams to go. Yeah, buddy in the pantheon of the history of professional wrestling. So only, only down to go from uh, the road warriors, but we'll try not to take too big of a dip next week. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, there's nowhere to go, but down, but hopefully not too far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it. Uh, uh, we, we'll try not to yo-yo you guys too far. We'll, we'll just, we'll discuss and, uh, and, and come back with something that, won't touch the road warriors, but won't seem that bad. That's the worst endorsement for a, an episode of a podcast ever. Worst I've ever heard. Hey, next week is not going to be this week. And we'll just, we'll try not to make it bad. All right, guys. <laughs> Until then, adios. Make, make sure you tune in next week. See ya. <laughs>